Morning, everyone. How are you all? Great to see you. Great to see you. Even if you're not feeling great, it's still great to see you. So moving on, it is Adoption Sunday. Did you know that today is Adoption Sunday? Uh, it's not one of these sort of made-up things. It like really is properly uh, Adoption Sunday. We have very tenuous links with an organisation called Home for Good. Who's heard of Home for Good? Okay, oh, excellent, uh, about 10, good. Uh, okay, well, by the end of the morning, you all will have. In fact, you all will have now, because I've just told you about them. I was asking God about this talk all week. He and I have been having a little bit of a discourse, and I got stuck in Romans 7. And as I've, as I've ploughed my way through Romans 7, and really appreciated the depth of the beauty of the book of Romans in the Bible, chapter 7, I said to God, I don't feel like I can really stop at the end of chapter 7. Chapter 7 is just presenting a case for which chapter 8 then effectively becomes the answer. If I, if I just present the case, you really would all go home miserable. But at the end of chapter 7 finishes with Paul, super church planter man, saying, oh gosh, what a wretched man I am. I'm born again from the inside. I've said my yes to Jesus. I'm being recreated. This is good news. But I have this sort of flesh that I'm encased in that still longs to do stuff that just isn't really helpful. And he says, who will rescue me? Because like, the good I want to do, I don't do. And the naff stuff I don't want to be doing, I find myself doing. And it, it, I'm just in this tussle. I'm in this battle. So that's what is set up. But Paul makes the case in Romans 7, about the law. Now, when we say the law, for anyone who saw the panto last year, it's not the law for anyone who saw the panto. It's not that. This, this law is equally not the law of the land. This law is considered widely, but not entirely agreed upon, to be about 613 commandments that were given in the Torah. Um, the Torah is largely considered, although not entirely agreed upon, to be the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. So if you're still with me, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and... Okay, so within those five books of the Bible that have all got random, bizarre names, within those five books are considered to be what's called the Mosaic Law, that basically that means, that doesn't, it's got nothing to do with mosaics, it's to do with Moses. So this law was given to Moses, 613 commands of you shout, you shout not, you shout, you shout not. And the idea of the law, and this is really important, the law wasn't a bad thing. The law was a great thing. But unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're looking ahead to the New Testament, to when Jesus comes, what the law does is it says, this is God's standard in 613 different ways, blah, 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 like that. And the Bible also says, you fail on any one of those and you are a lawbreaker and the wages of sin is death. So the Old Testament tries to describe in these first five books, in the law, this is what God's standard is. And if you fail that standard, that is called sin. Okay, so bear with, because this is Old Testament. This really is Old Testament thinking. So that was the standard. Now, one of the reasons the law had to be put into place was because you don't know that you're speeding unless there's a speed limit. There has to be a law there that says don't covet so that you know that when you're coveting, you're breaking the law. 
This is really negative, but we're coming on to the good news, okay? But that was the principle of it. Now, God knew when he was implementing the law, God knew full well that we would all epically fail by the time we breathe more than five times. We would all fail. We even inherit the sins of our forefathers and the consequences of those sins, which is why Jesus had to be born not of a man. Okay? This is all exciting stuff. So, the Old Testament law stood and was believed in and was absolutely right and a brilliant thing. But the main purpose of it was to show us how desperate our hearts were and broken and beat up and bust up and how much we desperately, desperately needed someone who could save us. That's what the law, that's what, that was the purpose of the law. So in Romans 7, Paul has this wonderful discussion with himself where he says, the law has now been fulfilled. If you consider the law to be like a test, 613 things, you get out of bed, you've probably broken number one, numbers one to four before you've even read the rest. But the amazing thing is, what Paul talks about at the end of Romans 7, which is the segue into 8, he says, the good news is, Jesus has taken the test for you, and you've got all 613 absolutely right. You live in that right place, because Jesus did it for you, and then if you say your yes to Jesus, you give your life to him, you commit your life to him, whatever language you want to use, if you... Basically, you buy into what Jesus has bought for us. The even better news is, because that test, the 613 parts is now passed, that is now finished. You don't have to live up to 613 standards anymore, ever again. All you have to do is just stay hooked in with Jesus and loving the Father. So we keep saying, but God, I failed here. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let me just check your record. Uh, nope, nope, 100%, clean, full. We say, oh, but God, I screwed up here. He says, mm, nope, nope, no, you haven't. Oh, but God, I just feel like I'm just so lowly and just so rubbish and I just feel awful. Mm, let me check. Uh, nope, nope, that's not you. No, I don't know. I th that's that person who died and was crucified with Jesus. But no, not, not, not you. You're my child. I adore you. So we, we come scorching into Romans 8 where it says this. If you're following, then I'm starting at verse 14. So this is Paul writing to the church in Rome or the Christians in Rome. He says this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's loads more. The mature children of God who are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. This 613, gone. So I'm not living my life saying, I must not do this, I must not do that, I have to do this, I mustn't do that, I must do this. I'm not living my life like that. I don't need to live my life like that. I am, I am moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. What would you say to me, Lord? Talk to me. What would you like me to do? 
Now, we're not puppets on a string. It's not that the Holy Spirit is like holding you, you know, up here like this and moving you around and you're just doing this. It's not that at all. We're children, not puppets. I'm a real boy. Um, that, wasn't in, that, <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. Uh, anyway, so he says, <laughs> Nick's just told me to take it out for the second talk. I quite liked it. thought it was funny. Anyway, you did not receive the spirit of, when you said yes to Jesus, whenever you at any point in your life have knelt before him, spoken out the words, you've believed in your heart and you've said, God, I need you. I want a life with you. I never want to be without you again. Or you've said, sorry for my sin. You've believed in the Trinity and whatever else. But whatever prayer you decided to pray, at that moment, this is what happened. Paul says, you didn't receive a spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Never being good enough, never matching up, failing by the time you've opened your eyes in the morning. He says, you didn't receive a spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Instead, you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Full acceptance. Full acceptance. Now, you can look that word full up all you like. It means everything, all your bad bits, all those times you've looked at stuff on the computer when you shouldn't have done, all those times you've written on Facebook things that you shouldn't have done, all those times when you've criticised people, slated people, when you've had fear, when you've thought nasty things about people, all those times God says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I accept you, I accept every part of you, I don't just want the nice bits, I want all of you. I love you as you are. I love you with your confusion. I love you with your fears. I love you with your doubts. I just love you. You haven't got a spirit anymore that makes you a slave to having to fulfill certain requirements. We are bound only by love because I am fully accepted. Absolutely, utterly, fully accepted. He goes on to say this. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join with him in saying these words of tender affection. Daddy. Papa. Father. Wonderful father. And his spirit joins with our spirit. And we cry that out. So sometimes some of you may have heard Abba. Abba, Father, and I'm not about to sing that, good grief, but some translations translate it that. It's, it's quite difficult to find the word. What it is, is a familiar word for dad, and along with the familiar word for dad is the suggestion that it's an incredibly intimate relationship, and it's a tender, tender declaration. So it's not just dad, it's dad. Or it's, oh, Father, beautiful Father, wonderful Father. It's that. It's not just Dad. Oh, it means Papa. It's not Papa. It's, wow, Papa. Papa's in the room. It's that. 
So that spirit of religious duty that says, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. He says, you didn't get that. That's gone. That's finished with. There was nothing wrong with it, but it's been sealed. It's been sealed in blood. That's done. That's old. And as, as people who are trying to follow Jesus, we've got to let go of religious duty. That is old. It's finished. It's totally, utterly done with and will never be reopened. Instead, we have, we have been given a spirit that where we're not a slave to that, but instead we come alive in the relationship of knowing that we are loved by dad. He wants to be dad to us. Many years ago, I heard a, a guy say, he's God almighty, not God almighty. How sad. I think he totally missed the point. Our reverence for God, he's never going to become our mate. He's better than that. He's dad. He's father. He's creator of the entire universe. And I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am. This is who he says I am. You have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved father, beautiful dad. For the Holy Spirit does what? Makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our ear. You. Are God's beloved child. He adores you. And that's what the Holy Spirit whispers to us all day, all day, all day. When you are angry, when you get frustrated, when you've totally screwed up, when you've just bawled at the kids, when you're struggling to say sorry to someone when you know you probably should, Far too easily we end up with this God who's like this. That's not what it says. What? So God loves me even when I'm being a dipstick? Yep. What? The Holy Spirit's whispering to me that he loves me even when I'm being like that? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I'm not like that. But isn't that amazing? I think it's incredible. It says, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. Thank you so much for prefacing this this morning, Sarah. It was like you knew. We qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Jesus, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Wow. Uh, so he said, what Paul's point is this. He said, you get... Because you are now joined with Jesus, you get everything he has. Well, the good news is that the whole of God dwelt in Jesus. That's what it says. Jesus was God dwelling in bodily form. So that's why later on, Paul, same guy, he says, for example, you have the mind of Christ. Now, we're at war. We're at war with ourselves. We still have the flesh thing and we still have that thing that pulls us away. That's why we have been crucified with Christ and we need to crucify ourselves daily type thing. 
You have to listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying. But we are people who are steered and guided and react to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? We have been adopted. We have been adopted. You are no longer an orphan at all. If you've ever said yes to Jesus, whatever format that took, you're not an orphan anymore. It is absolutely beautiful. It goes on to say this. We are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined with Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him. Ooh, a bit of co-glorification. That sounds good to me. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided we accept his sufferings as our own. God's sufferings. What, what, what was he talking about here? Well, God's sufferings is also, is, is, mm, no, how can I explain that? I know. God's sufferings are his anguish, his heart as he looks at people, as he sees the pain that people live in, as he sees the decisions that people make that he knows ultimately probably isn't going to be the best thing for them. In other words, it's saying this isn't just a glory trip. You're going to have to buy in to the whole package. But actually, don't you find yourself doing that? As you feel more of what the Father feels about you and you capture his heart for you, so you start to have that heart towards other people. And that is suffering. That is suffering. There are so many people, I don't want to list any names, not even from the newspapers or things. It's just not fair. I loathe it being done. But you look at people's lives and you look at their choices that they're making and your heart breaks for them. You look at people's lives and the pain that they're in and your heart honestly breaks for them. This is sharing in Jesus' suffering. If you remember, you may remember there's a bit somewhere else where it says Jesus looked on the crowds and he had compassion on them for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, turned to his disciples, and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers out. And I've said before that, that he had compassion on them, mean for his bowels to yearn. That's what it literally means. It's an uncomfortable and not entirely pleasant expression, but that's what it means. Jesus looked on them, and we, oh, that thing. He didn't go, oh, look at that lot. Well, it's not that. And so we're being invited to share in Jesus' glory and share in the anguish that he feels. That's the invitation that we have. So he says, I am convinced, though, that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled in us. Now, the good news is that word glory can also be translated radiant beauty, splendor, and perfection. So here it is. I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of radiant beauty, splendor, and perfection that is about to be unveiled within us. Oh, I think it's really good news. So, okay. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's 
glorious sons and daughters. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, waiting. It's waiting for that moment. Which is why Paul later on says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Come on, come on. The universe is ready. It's waiting. It's, they're like that. You can't even stay on tiptoe long. But it's a position of such expectancy. And Paul is trying to explain to the church here in Rome, you don't have to live under that anymore. There's a glory that is upon you. Everything that God has, he is trying to give to you. If you will just accept that you're his child and he adores you. That's the starting point. And then his glory starts to come. What is his glory? Every brilliant, wonderful thing about him starts to show itself through your life, starts to reflect in your life, starts to show itself in how you think and how you treat people. You're not trying to say, I won't do this, I won't do this, I won't do this, I'm going to be godly, I must be holy. You are holy. He's set you apart as holy. I am chosen, not forsaken. You've been chosen, we've all been chosen as holy. I am holy. Your behaviour doesn't look like it. I know. Isn't that amazing? Still am. It's incredible. And the only response you can possibly have when you get hold of how amazingly God treats us is you have no option but to fall to your knees or raise your arms and just say, oh God, you are amazing. You are amazing. And we live in the revelation of that. And you know what? Even when we finally die from here and, and, and go to be with him forever without the constraints of the human body, you're still going to have all eternity to try and plunder the depths of working out just how good God is. We've only just started on that adventure. It's not when you get to heaven, you'll know it all. You won't know it all. We won't know it all. We're going to be on our faces for a thousand years. I've got a whole list of people I want to go and see. And I've still got my wasps question, which will come up at some point. God and I, we will chat about wasps, but that's okay. The beautiful thing about this was I discovered two days ago that it's Adoption Sunday. Isn't that absolutely amazing that it's Adoption Sunday and all week God's been speaking to me about, you don't have to live that way anymore. Come and be in my family. Because this is what you get in my family. You get total 100% approval and everything I have is yours. And I'm never, ever, ever going to leave you. We're just going to watch a short video. My sister was born. She's called Lisa. Now I'm four. I like to play with Lego and I like to play outside. When it rains, I like to jump in puddles. I like to go to nursery and I like to play. My best friend is called Hassan. Lisa sleeps in my bedroom and she cries a lot. Vicky is our social worker and she comes to see us at home. She's good to play with. 
She holds Lisa so she didn't cry anymore. She took me to the dentist. The dentist showed me how to clean my teeth, but because I didn't know it, I got a sticker. I'm Ryan and I'm going to be 14 soon. First time I was taken into care, I was two. I don't remember much, but there was a photo of me at the beach eating ice cream. I look happy. I went back to mum for a few years, but she got a boyfriend. I had to leave after my teachers saw the bruises. I lived with a few different families, and when I was 10, they decided I probably couldn't go back to my mum because of the boyfriend. I live with Ross and Helen now, and they say I can stay with them forever. I still get to see my mum sometimes. I love Sam. When I'm angry, we go for a run together. I like to dance and I like the trampoline best of all. I also like to paint and at school I like it when we go outside. I have two brothers and they are two, they are twins. When my brothers were born we came to live with Ken and Anne and they look after us. I like dinner time because Ken cooks good food. I'm hoping that when I am six, I will find my new family and live with them forever. Our social worker, Mike, is looking for them. I'm sad because I might have to go to a new school. But I am happy that we will have a forever family to love us and keep us safe. I hope they have a trampoline. Every child's story is different, but sadly for most of the children waiting to be fostered or adopted in the UK, too many of their stories include some pretty terrible things that no child should have had to see or endure. Over 70% of the children waiting have experienced neglect or abuse. And we think with your help, these children's stories could be different. We're not promising you Anna Green Gables or Despicable Me, just neat, happy endings, but we do believe with your help, their stories will be better. For some of us, that's going to involve stepping up to foster or adopt them. But for all of us, it could involve helping to make these children's lives better. What is it that you are willing to do to help? Nine thousand young people leave care every year. This is roughly what happens to them. 22% of female care leavers become teenage parents. 24% of the adult prison population are care leavers. A third of homeless people have been in care. At least a third of sex workers, potentially as many as 70% have been in care. 38% of care leavers are not in education, training, or employment. 
I think there's a challenge to us as a church that as God is leading us to consider more and more what it means for him to be our dad and for him to have adopted us. I think there's an opportunity that comes with that. It says, well, do you know what? If God can take me on with all my stuff, then I wonder if at least we as a church perhaps could even become a home for good church. That means this becomes a place where there's a map of the UK and we are a pin in the map that says to foster families and um, adopted families as well, this is, a, this is a safe place to come. We are aware that you may be facing some challenges and things that other people aren't. And we want you to know that you can come here. Do you know, in the whole of the east of Kent, there isn't one home for good church at the moment. Not one. So as I was reading this and reading this, I said to God, we can't do nothing. We can't do nothing. It's just wrong. I don't know what the full answer is, but there's something about Home for Good, just a wonderful organization. I've heard Krish Kandaya speak. And, wow. So I would, I would love us to become a Home for Good church. Does that sound like something we could do, do you think? It's not rhetorical. It's a question. Does that sound, sound like... <laughs> I know you sound heartless now if you say no, but um, <laughs> I, backed you in, I backed you into that corner. <laughs> That's one thing. And the other thing is, we're going to stand and pray. And I want to give people the opportunity this morning that if you have never said yes to Jesus in any way, in any context, in any format, however you've done it, if you've never really come to him and said, God, I want all of you in my life. I want you, I want all of me in return for all of you forever. And you might not think that's a very good deal. And you're probably right in all honesty, but to him, it's the best deal. Like the best deal. So I would love it if we all stood. Can we do that? And can I just ask right now, if there's anyone who feels they've never said yes to Jesus and feel like this morning is the moment when they want to be adopted, to know in their heart, that they've been adopted by God. Would you mind just raising your hand? We just want to give you that opportunity this morning. Is there anyone? just want to give you some space and time to do that. Okay. We're going to pray. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your ridiculous, crazy acceptance of us, fully, wholly, as we are. I thank you that you pursue us. Your love chases us down. As David said in one of the Psalms in the, back in the Old Testament, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heights, you're there. Down to the depths, you're there. If I go to the farthest part of the sea, you're there. Wherever I go, I can't get away from you. Father, I pray for every person here and all the people who listen by podcast starting right now will be a greater revelation of understanding who he is as a father. A greater revelation of knowing who he is.
We pray for people's hurts over their own fathers, that as they give those over to the Father, that they will get dealt with, that healing will come. The Holy Spirit, you would come and deal with us so gently, so gently. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It was for freedom that you set us free. Not to be burdened by yokes of slavery and law, but to live as children, as sons. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.